The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a positive book talk show. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are your personal growth success coaches here on the Airwaves, bringing you the best authors and experts. Today in T for Two, Heather and I are going to clean house, offering you a spring cleaning with meaning to unclutter your life and your home. And then it's barnyard banter in segment two, baby goslings and newly hatched chicks. And finally is our New York Times bestseller, Norman Alstead, with his heart-stopping story of being the only survivor of a plane crash in segment three with his book, Crazy for the 
storm. The miracle moment is from Wally Famous Amos. Life is just a mirror, and what you see out there, you must first see in yourself. In other words, re-reflect what we see. Are you stressed by the mess? Is your home or your office beginning to look like a toxic landfill? Are you piling instead of filing? Well, Heather and I want to be your guides on the side and add some meaning to your spring cleaning because we know it's hard to let go of those old newspapers, the scraps of paper and those movie tickets that, uh, you know, you went to 15 years ago with somebody you liked. (laughs) But if you want to design your life for living, it is time to get the urge to purge. So, Heather, how do we begin? Well, exactly. Well, spring cleaning is a big deal for many people, and it helps them declutter their lives as well as after the holiday season. We tend to have all these, as you said, you know, we save the gift wrapping, and we have broken lights, and anyways, with spring cleaning, it helps reduce all this junk buildup and all these unnecessary belongings that we have, and it gets us ready for summer, just as we're trying to get our bodies in shape, we want to get our houses in shape, too. And you know, saying that, Heather, it's interesting because there's actually something that kicks in to kind of our bloodstream, into our psyches, when we start seeing the sun come around after, you know, the winter blues, that we want to purge, we want to uh, get rid of all the junk. It, it's it's actually a biological thing. <laughs> I concur. Um, so anyways, as we were just saying, is with the whole spring cleaning thing, and, and really there's never any bad time to do a cleaning, but there just tends to be the thing with spring, and with new life coming, you know, flowers um, to get cleaning. So... One thing I'd like to say is always start from the top. If you have a leveled story house, start with the attic. Um, Open up there, get rid of all those boxes, make room for now what possibly you might be putting new stuff off there. Also, when you start from the top of cleaning, that way anything, especially with dusting, if you're dusting, start from the top, start with the ceiling fan, the upstairs, so that if things travel down to the floor, it's not that you've already cleaned the floor. Then now that those particles have moved to the ground, so once you get to a ground level, um, you can start cleaning that as well. So always be level when it comes to that. No, yeah, that was such a great point, Heather, and I've always been amazed when I've watched cleaning people, I mean, people who are supposedly professional cleaning people or janitors, where they'll vacuum and then they'll go back in with their dusters and start dusting. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, clean out the fireplace first and then dust first and then vacuum. <laughs> Next thing is tackle big projects first. Um, when you tackle the big project, that way that it leaves more room, um, you know, for the more, sometimes the more fun stuff. And also, oftentimes the big the big projects are something that's going to open up um, there to be a lot more room within your house. So if you target that first thing first, thing you've been, you know, kind of draining on doing, um, then, you know, then it gets things out of the way. If you start with the smaller things like doing the dishes or excess belongings, um, those things just seem to pile up and become bigger. So definitely tackle the big thing first so that way the little things seem more minute. And then it's also that time big relief. You feel really good when that one thing is accomplished. You know, also, I wanted to uh, say that I think that we suffer from TLS. You know, we always say we have women have PMS, but I think everybody has TLS, which is, which is just, uh, it's just too much stuff, too much stuff, TMS, I mean, too much stuff. Let's get rid of the stuff, and we'll actually feel better. 
Yes, and so another thing, too, you know, we're all about budgets here. So if you're on a budget and um, you're trying to sparkle up your house, one thing is you can make homemade clean uh, spring cleaning cool solutions. So, and especially, and they can be, you know, green friendly as well. So you can use fresh lemon juice, water, and baking soda. And these three ingredients can clean almost everything and do a great job as well as um, mixing vinegar and ammonia. With things like that, you can clean windows, tile, grout. Uh, and especially, if, you know, if you have these, sell these things in bulk, if you just have an old, um, you know, a reusable old Windex bottle or something, you can make your own plot up. Make your own cleaning products. So I am actually with- cleaned copper pots, you know, like a copper tea kettle, with mm-hmm. uh, just the lemon juice. And I'm, I mean, and it works neat. great. It just takes the it takes the stuff right off. So yeah, a, no, they, there's so many. When I was researching, it, there's so many different tactics of just using you know, ama- Amanda ammonia, uh, white vinegar, baking soda, and just water. You know, of ways to get out stains from walls, from carpets. Um, there's so many, you know, little tricks of the trade and things that you can do fairly cheap as well. Um, some other things also um, I really recommend these are they're called space bags. They're these giant bags. Um, if you have one of those vacuums with a detachable hose with it, you can use this with it. They're, they look like a giant clear bag, and you can shove tons of clothes and blankets, and it vacuum seals them and makes them super small. So if you have, um, you know, a closet that has blankets and sweaters and all this kind of stuff in there that are bulky items um, that take up a lot of space, it's, you know, your space is so so necessary, um, get one of these bags, vacuum seal it up, and it cuts things beyond half in size. It makes yeah, it I so like small. that. Tell again, wh- what are they called, Heather? Because I'm not uh, aware of those. They're, they're called vacuum space, seal bags? They're called, yeah, they're called space bags. You could get space them anywhere, bags. bed, bath, and beyond. Um, they Basically, in an essence, like a giant Ziploc bag that you vacuum seal. Or like when you put meat or something in the freezer and you have those vacuum seal Right. Bags. I have one of those for the freezer, right. Yeah. Well, they make those, um, to, you know, in these giant bags that you can, you don't even really have to fold things into it. You could just shove things in there and it sucks all the air out and it vacuum seals them down. So it's a great um, space saver for, for people, especially, you know, if you're having a hard time letting go or something or sometimes... Even after you clean, you still don't have a lot of space. So that really helps um, make uh, space in it. Another way to, you know, being a budget and, and uh, cleaning, a great thing, too, is to have a yard sale. After you get out, you know, all these, the, you know, the things you said you haven't used in years, have a yard sale, make a little money, and then with the stuff you don't want or don't need, um, you know, donate it to charities, to Goodwill, things. So that way you're doing something good for Good for yourself, good for your community. Um, and you know and what? Uh, besides yard sales, now that we're so prolific with the Internet, you can sell just about anything on eBay. I have a client who is constantly purging her house by sen- selling anything that she doesn't want on eBay, and that way she can finance buying things that she does want. And she keeps keeps doing this over and over again, and interestingly enough, she keeps her house and her office fairly organized, and at the same time, she's, you know, making money on the things that she doesn't want. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's actually a great point in today's world. One, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So sometimes, you know, don't overlook something that you may not think may be worth anything. I possibly could. There's an amazing market for almost everything out there in today's society. So 
if you have something that you think, you know, could be an item, go ahead and you know, put it on one of those eBay things. If it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. But at least it's fun trying with that. Also, you know, have a rule of when, when uh, purging out your clothes. There's certain things they say, you know, if you haven't worn something in a year, get rid of. But definitely, you know, you look at the quality of your clothes. If it's something you feel, you know, that's going to come back or a good designer or really well-made, um, you know, as you said, is that fashion is just constantly regurgitating itself. So, um, you know, if there's something you think is really special, save it. Don't, you know, but... I agree um, with that. Well, I know that you agree with that because you wouldn't have a lot of your fun clothes if it wasn't for raiding my closet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I'm, I am not one of those people that change my, you know, wardrobes with the seasons. Instead, as Heather said, I like to really take good care of my clothes and save my good things. And I, you know what else I think is good to save, Heather, are the accessories, you know, the belts, the earrings, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, because they go to kind of go in and out of fashion, but you can always, they always come back and you can, you can always use another belt or a different necklace or, or redo it like you do with your Carmony collection where you remake things. Exactly. And it's something you know, that's fun too, I've done this before with friends, is get together, have in a sense, um, you know, you have like a closet party where everyone kind of cleans out their closet, brings a bag of clothes over to someone's house, and everyone kind of does like a clothes exchange. And then again, what you, what, People don't end up wanting, you just donate to charity. But at the same time, you know, if something doesn't even fit you anymore, you don't like now, a friend has it. And so if you want, you can always borrow it back in an essence. What a great uh, tip. Yes. Well, I, I just wanted to just throw, wind up, because we're at the, almost at the end here, and just give a couple of tips here. And this was, and, or how do you know whether to keep something or not to keep something? And I say, if there was a fire or a flood, would you try to save it? So you may want to think about that. And if you had to move, are you willing to pay a mover to move it? So Mm -hmm. I think you want to always think about those two things. And the last thing is, is it something that you want to save for posterity, like I like to save things for for the kids, et cetera. So, Heather, why don't you give your final thought and then give the websites out? I was just going to say, if you want to check out more about everything that's going on with us, any tips, get a great book, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org, BeTheStarYouAre.com, MySpace.com, forward slash Carmony Clutches, both with a K. And I want to just end with a quote from the Buddha. Learn to let go because that is the key to happiness. So, you know, you can keep your space clean and your life clean and add cleaning and meaning to your life by purging and doing some spring checkups. So when we come back from break, we're going to go into the barnyard for some information on the ducks, the chickens, the geese, the rabbits, the goats, and what's going on. Chez moi, I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And don't go away because we're going to have some shake, rattle, and roll coming right up. Apathy. 
violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Knowledge is key to success. When he was a boy, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, spent more than 15 hours a day studying, plus he added another three hours playing the violin. As an adult, he was considered one of the leading thinkers of his time. He was an expert in a number of fields, including politics, science, art, architecture, literature, gardening, and history. If we were to read just one book per week, that would amount to four a month or approximately 50 books a year, 500 books in 10 years. Knowledge is the key that opens the doors to understanding the world we live in. By keeping our minds exercised by reading and studying, we keep our minds mentally fit and will be better equipped to approach even the most daunting tasks with total optimism. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite for Star Style. When you need coaching and consultations for business and life challenges, call 925-377-7827. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, we appreciate you staying with us. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I am Cynthia Bryan. Well, ever since I co-authored and became the spokesperson for the New York Times bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul, my family started joking that I went from the chicken poop to the chicken coop to chicken soup But why was I still in the chicken poop and the chicken coop? Well, the fact is, I am still shoveling that poop, and I'm proud of it. 
Being in the barnyard is probably my favorite thing. All of the animals in the barnyard were originally abandoned and adopted by myself and the kids, and I just continue to take care of them and reap the benefits. So I want to give you a glimpse into the barnyard, and we're going to talk a little bit about the chickens and the, and the geese specifically today because in the past week we have had babies. Our geese hatched four little goslings. Only three made it, but it, they are very adorable. And one banny hen hatched six little babies, and another uh, hen is in the process. I actually saw an egg hatch last, uh, last night, and even all these years I've been raising chickens, I had never actually seen a, a baby hatch and poke its way through, but it was really quite fun. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of background in case you have decided that you want to uh, have a little bit of, of backyard banter and introduce chickens into your um, environment or your yard because it really is appropriate and you can do it almost no matter where you live. You know, General Robert E. Lee traveled with his pet chicken during the Civil War, and although the hen was originally meant for the stew pot, she won his heart because every day she would enter his tent and she would lay an egg under his cot, which became his first meal. And this was at a time when the troops were starving and food was hard to come by. So by keeping the chicken, he was guaranteed to at least have an egg for every day. And while Lee was retreating in battle, his staff would always stow the chicken safely with Lee's personal belongings, actually believing that the key to survival was keeping that chicken alive. Now, I really know a lot about poultry attachment because chickens have been part of my life as long as I can remember. In fact, in high school, you know, while other girls might have had fancier names, I was called the chicken lady or the egg queen, and it was because I raised chickens as a means of funding my future college education. Now, that's not exactly the title that most teens want, but... I did appreciate my faithful fan club. Uh, grammar school kids would come up to the games where I was a cheerleader, and they called me Slick Chick. <laughs> I never quite knew if it was because I was raising chickens or that was just their name, but they would yell, "Go, Slick Chick, go!" And it was it was quite it was it was quite the compliment. Even though I do believe they might have been referring to our mascot, who was Freddie Falcon a chicken I had rescued who a, a, um, a rival school had hung from our gymnasium. And what we decided to do, since we were the Falcons, is we turned this white leghorn into, uh, who did survive, into Freddie Falcon. And it turned out to be a very happy turn of events, made a little outfit, a little cheering mascot outfit, and Freddie Falcon ruled the roost and came to every single game. So Freddie was not only my personal pal providing me with my breakfast egg, just like Robert E. Lee, but a friendly companionship until I graduated for myself and the other teens and the members of the teams, which were really, which were really fun. Now, you've probably read quotes that animals are dumb or that chickens are dumb, and I really don't think that. My chickens were never dumb, nor were they speechless. They were always my friends and my confidence. And they clucked nobly to inform me when they had actually laid their first egg 
or whenever I needed a listening ear, as I do today, I just go to the coop to go talk to my chickens and my ducks and my geese and my rabbits and my potbelly pig, Miss Piggy, or my goats. And this has always been something that has really made me happy. Now, a lot of people ask me about the color of the egg. Do you know that you can tell the color of the egg of a hen when or what color she's going to lay if you look at her earlobes? So chickens who have blue earlobes are going to lay those blue eggs if they have brown earlobes. They're going to lay brown eggs or white ones are going to lay white white ones. So if you want to be a promising poultry producer, you want to figure out what color eggs you want. And the South Carolina white leghorns are the ones that lay those perfectly white eggs that you go to the store and you buy. But, you know, I, would, I am who I am today and I am where I am because of chickens and poultry. So I get really excited when my babies decide to brood and they decide to have babies. Now, here is the um, information that you may need about raising chickens. People will say, well, are you in the city limits? Can you have chickens? Did you know that you can legally keep chickens within the city limits? Absolutely. Now, before founding your flock, you want to check with your neighbors and your city ordinances, but even very big cities like New York and San Francisco allow for a few chickens per household. In fact, until about 50 years ago, it was common practice for most households everywhere to have a few chickens. And as our country is becoming more technologically advanced, of course, our backyards have become smaller, more people have moved to the cities and the suburbs, and um, they have actually forgotten how to be self-sufficient. But chicken ranching was a big, uh, giant agribusiness, and it has become a big, giant agribusiness. And the family flock of hens has disappeared from the backyard landscape. But that doesn't mean that all of us cannot have eggs and have one or two chickens in our backyard. We've always participated in 4-H projects, and I will never forget the time that we took some of our animals from our barnyard to the city for a petting zoo. And, you know, the visitors, both young and old, were totally enthralled as they petted and they held and they fed and they talked to the different animals. And... um. One time, though, there was an Aracana who laid a blue egg. And an Aracana is a type of chicken who lays those pretty blue-green eggs. A lot of people call them Martha Stewart eggs because they add a little bit of color. But anyway, a, uh, a well-dressed woman yelled, Oh, my goodness, what is that? And one of our 12-year-olds responded, Well, it's an egg. And she said, Well, what do you do with it? And the kids that were in 4-H were rather shocked at that. They looked at one another, and they go, well, you eat it, of course. To what the lady responded, well, it doesn't come from the store. And I was so shocked to think, is it actually possible that there are people out there that believe that if an egg isn't in a carton or a cucumber isn't wrapped in cellophane, that we can't eat it? So have we gone so far you know, to one side that we have totally forgot our agrarian roots? I really hope not. I would really like people to get back into being more self-sufficient 
and becoming a bit more green, although that's a word that's overused today. But, for example, when I garden, I've been working hard. We've had so many rains that we have a lot of weeds right now. So when I pull my weeds, I always have a five-gallon bucket that I keep at my back door, um, nuts for scraps, any vegetable scraps or whatever that go to the chickens. But when I weed, they go into the bucket. All those weeds and the scraps that go up to the barnyard where all these animals are, the goats, the chickens, the rabbits, the geese, they all get along you know, just fine. There are, are ducks up there as well and lots of birds. And I feed them that. Then, of course, they make their own manure, which I clean out weekly. I put it into a compost pile, and when it is aged properly, it goes back into the garden. So it's a wonderful cycle of life, which keeps my garden healthy, which we get a lot of fresh vegetables, and that keeps us healthy. And then the great news about that is that we are also keeping the planet healthy. So that is rather exciting. Now, One of the things that you should know, and if you go and you do any research about it, you will find that in almost every city in the United States, it is allowed to have one chicken. Now, I didn't say a rooster, but one chicken. If you live in an apartment, that's probably not going to work. But but if you have a small backyard or a tiny little patio, you can have a chicken, and as long as you provide housing for the chicken you don't you want to have an enclosure because the raccoons and the hawks and the coyotes and any of those kinds of night prowlers will come to kill your chicken but during the day if you have a garden the chicken will scratch around and you provide a little nest box could be a shoe box it's totally fine the chicken will lay your eggs and most chickens lay an egg every other day now can you have fresh eggs without a rooster That's one of the most popular questions, and the answer is absolutely yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, The chickens just do what they normally do since the beginning of time. They lay eggs with or without a rooster. The eggs just won't be fertilized. So if you want to have babies like I have now, you do have to have a rooster. So I have a rooster, and I have very happy hens. (laughs) Now, uh, among California's top 20 commodities... The chicken industry ranks 12th, and the California poultry industry, which includes turkeys, chickens, and egg layers, produced products that are valued at more than a billion dollars with a farm gate value of $532 million as of a couple years ago. That's according to the California Department of Food and Agriculture. So it still is a big business. We are still very uh, dependent on having barnyards around. And so everyone would agree that I've talked to that when you do have um, pets or you have a barnyard, they actually do become, become kind of family pets. Now, I don't eat any of the animals. That's, that is not what we do. We only eat the eggs, and the rest of them are just there for fun, to make me smile, to give companionship, entertainment, uh, to show responsibility to the kids, teach us companionship, etc. So if you're thinking about having a chicken, feel free if you want to go and find me on Facebook and send me a note, or you can email me, Cynthia, at star-style.com, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. I am posting some pictures of the baby goslings, as well as the baby chicks who are now a week old 
um, on the Facebook page, and it's interesting how many people are coming back to me and saying, you know, how much they love it and how wish that they could have them. But just keep remembering that when you do have animals or you have the chickens, not only they're providing fresh eggs, fertilizer, and they have pretty feathers, but they are also helping in your family scenario. They don't bark. They don't bite. They might peck a little bit when you steal their eggs, but the peck is worth the price. And they are really simple creatures that remind me that it's fun to play. I always call it foul play. It's a movie I was in many years ago with Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase, and it was spelled differently, but I like to have foul play. So just think, you too may be able to get a couple of chickens, and you could be the chicken lady uh, of your neighborhood or the chicken man, because chickens do rule the roost. You can cackle, cackle, cluck, and chick. So I hope that uh, you will indulge in looking into perhaps raising a chicken or two and having a backyard banner. It has been great fun. When we come back from break, we are going to be turning a little bit more serious, and we'll be talking to Norman Alstead, who in 1979 survived an airplane crash in which his father and a couple of friends were killed. It is a true story of diligence and passion and great love for a parent and a son for one another. It's riveting. Stay with us. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are, and we will be back in a bit. Don't go away. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Bethestarur.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are.
You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you Thanks are. for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen. Every week we bring you the best-selling authors who inspire, motivate, and jumpstart your life. I have always believed that we must empower and encourage others, seeing them as they can be, perhaps not as they are, but help them to be the stars they were meant to be. Boy Wonder is what Norman Olstead's dad always called his young son. You can do it, no problemo. Norman survived a plane crash in 1979 that killed his beloved dad and two others. His book, Crazy for the Storm, chronicles the skills and the loving bond between a boy wonder and his fabulous father. Welcome, Norman, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I know you've been on a whirlwind tour for more than a year now. What a, a horrible horror that you had to endure as a young boy, but what a magnificent miracle that you survived this crash and the lessons that uh, your dad had imparted to you. The book is Crazy for the Storm, a memoir of survival. Now, Norman, I know that it was almost 30 years between 1979 and, I guess, 2009 when the book first came out, before you actually wrote it all down and you had started writing, I guess, snippets. What had happened during that time that made you decide that you really wanted to put it down on paper and get it out to the world, which I I just think it's an amazing book. Thank you. Um, Well, I I concluded that that it must have been having a son myself. You know, I wasn't that methodical about when I was going to write it. I I sort of forgot about the story, and I've been writing for many years. I forgot about it as as something I could tell. And um, then when my son was about five, I found myself, you know, going skiing with him, surfing with him, same places that I used to go with my father, and I felt that passion, you know, conducting between us. And um, and I started to think about my adventures with my dad and my relationship and and sort of the magic that happened um, doing all those things with him in the big, bad world. And, um, and I just, that's when I started to write down the stories and, and start to shape the book. Well, in, in reading your book, Crazy for the Storm, you know, I read that you, at the end, how you started sharing some of the stories with your son, you know, hoping that it was age-appropriate, et cetera. Was it hard for you to hold back with some of your passions, as, you know, because your dad was pushing you. When you first started surfing, I mean, he strapped you on his back when you were just, what, a year old and went surfing. And you didn't like surfing in the beginning. I mean, so there were a lot of things that he was, you felt he was pushing you into, which actually 
did make you better? Did you find yourself not wanting to push your son or gently nudging him? What was the difference? Well, I, I found myself wanting to, and that's how I started to understand my father. I mean, to stand there and see, you know, two to three foot waves that are perfectly shaped for beginning and knowing that if he gets one of them and actually rides them, he'll, he'll feel something that'll, you know, it'll blow his mind. It'll, right. it'll be so turned on. But you have to, you know, you can't not feel that. So I'm sitting there with those passions that are just sort of spiking in me, and I have to say to myself, well, you just have to be patient. You know, we'll, we'll play in the water a little. Maybe we'll bring the board out, and he'll kind of ride the whitewash. And just I had to really hold myself back and, and uh, let him sort of discover it piece by piece on his own. And which is what he did, and the same with skiing, with snow skiing as well. So are you surfing and skiing together as a regular routine pretty much now? Yeah, I mean, it, the surfing always comes a little later than the skiing because the water, until you get a little str- bigger and stronger, it just, you know, it whips you around, and, and it's tough to deal with. The, the mountain, at least, is not moving, so... He, he's a very good skier now. He's on the Mammoth Ski Team. We go all winter, almost every weekend up there. And um, then as it's gotten warmer, after school now, we've been going surfing. And last summer, he really got into it. I, I suspect this summer we'll go to another level with the surfing. And it's a great time spent together. You know, pick him up from school, go down to the beach, get in the water, you know, spend a couple hours, and it's just a great, we talk about stuff out there and um, between waves. and it's just Well, a, you know, and see, this is, I think, what the book, we're talking with Norman Alstead, who his book, Crazy for the Storm, is a New York Times uh, bestseller, and it really is a tribute to the relationship between Norman and his dad, who, your dad just sounds like he was the coolest dude. He was very laid back, growing up at, in Topanga, you know, this it had to be, you know, rather kickback, except for it seemed that your your uh, step, I don't know if you'd be a stepdad, but your mom's new boyfriend wasn't all that fun at most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> but if, no, there, if your there dad was, some was just, I'm sorry? There were some conflicts, for yeah, sure. A few conflicts, <laughs> but you know, that's the real world, isn't it? Yep. It's the yep. real world. I mean, we don't live in, uh, we don't live in fantasy land or, or Disneyland or any of that, so we all have to get through that. But yep. but the skills that your dad taught you as a young boy is really what helped you keep going when you were on that mountain when that plane crashed because you oh, could yeah. almost hear him in your ears saying you can do it Norman you can do it and you kept going. Yeah, and, and for me, what's really important uh, and I think is a big difference is it's not just hearing him say you can do it; it's that we actually went and did it. Yeah. We went, dealt with fear, dealt with obstacles, moved through them, and found a lot of pleasure on the other side and, and always came out standing on our feet and kind of thrilled and looking, you know, we'd look back and think, wow, that was a, quite an adventure. And so when I found myself on the mountain, age 11, all alone in a blizzard, my dad's dead, it's, of course, a shock, but I was already sort of, uh, built to to you know handle pressure, deal with fear, not become paralyzed, and so it just kind of flowed naturally into into a survival mode, which is what really kept you alive. You know, I mean, and having to go down 
those icy mountains. I When I was reading this step-by-step step of what you went through, you know, it just brought back so many ma- memories of being on mountains, not in a plane crash, but being at the top of uh, an icy mountain that I didn't know if I could get down or whatever. And those shoots are so, so fast and life-threatening, and you just were able to keep, you know, keep your cool and to be able to do it. Were you, over the years after the crash, did you, was it a, was it a hard time for you as far as nightmares or any of that? I know that in your book you talk about before you wrote the book, you went back and you actually flew that area again, and it turns out the pilot should have never taken off that day. Yeah, no, it was... We were doomed from takeoff, according to a couple of the pilots that I showed the NTSB report to, and that one guy actually flew the same route with a friend of mine. And, um, yeah, you know, after the crash, I had some nightmares, and I had some feelings of uh, not exactly guilt but responsibility because we did get in that plane to go collect a trophy that I had won the day before, and um, it was my decision to – start descending the mountain with my father's girlfriend, Sandra, who was alive, and then she slipped on the descent. And so I had to kind of, you know, come to terms with that. But there's a part of me that, you know, I, even as a young boy, I had done enough, you know, kind of intense stuff that I understood that, you know, when you're trying to survive, you know, some people make it and some people don't, and everybody's doing the best they can, and I I didn't hold it too too long or too deeply. Well, and I think that was so uh, critical because, I mean, it, it's so obvious that you were really trying to keep Sandra alive and she was in a hysterical state or she was probably in shock and badly hurt already. And we can't second-guess ourselves. You just do what you can with the best you can, and then that's whatever happens, it happens. And yeah, I mean, believe it or not, that's, that's just such a... Uh, right on the head of another lesson my dad always was he just played the hand he was dealt we never went to a ski race or went surfing and complained about what came our way a lot of times it didn't work out or go away and he just ah you just do the best you can ah just try anyway and you just you know you just enjoy the experience you enjoy it you just go out there and do it you know do or do not and I, I totally get it I mean that's sort of the way I'd like to live my life too but what i loved about your dad is how he always saw the positive he always went through putting you know making it exciting and to see that there's the possibility you can do it okay so you fail no big deal and that to me is a huge lesson that we can all take away from this Uh, let's talk for a second norman if it's okay i mean here is this total free spirit in your dad who worked for the FBI for a year or so, I cracked up. I was just laughing out loud that he and his friends started a, was it a cheerleading or a pom-pom, a song girl camp, so he could meet the song girls. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this year, that was 1960, 61, 62, right in there. And, you know, he was kind of a 50s guy. And and uh, he, you know he was surfing and skiing and stuff, but he was still kind of a '50s guy. And and he and his buddy thought, well, you know, in the summers on the you know in the mornings and sometimes on the weekends, I can't remember the exact schedule they had, but they would have these song girl camps to to <laughs> teach girls how to 
do the routines because my dad was a good dancer from from his training being a child actor and so forth and a singer and musician so he could show them and you know it was a great way to meet college girls <laughs> <laughs> he was so and he's had to be such an interesting man but what about all this with herbert hoover uh, not herbert hoover uh, with uh, j edgar hoover and the fbi it, you know the fact that after the plane crash there was actually a conspiracy theory because your dad actually exposed um, Hoover and a lot of the terrible things that he was doing with the FBI. Yeah, well, you know, my dad was a gutsy guy, and, and um, he, his one thing is he just couldn't stand that injustice. And uh, he saw that Hoover was running the FBI for his own personal gains, and he wrote a book called Inside the FBI, which came out in 1967, the year I was born, and immediately Hoover, he was very powerful, went after my father, uh, accused him of being a communist and had sort of tr- trumped up charges that, you know, some, that my dad was working for the KGB, all this crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And now it's, now it's funny. But back then, it's like being accused of being a terrorist now. I mean, it was a big deal to be called a communist. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, uh, that was a terrible thing. I mean, I do remember when I was a, a young girl, that fear that people had of communism you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it was like this big iron curtain, this big red thing. So this had to be, you know, uh, uh, it had to be influence your lives in some way. However, again, in reading Crazy for the Storm, it seems that even those things rolled off your dad's back. He, it was like he had to do it. He followed his gut. He lived with integrity. He went for it. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, that, yeah. that was his thing. He, he, he you know, and, and look, that was his the way he operated, the way he lived is a great point of view. That's why I wanted to share it. It was a great thing he shared with me, and I've been able to use that. But, of course, he's human, and he had, he had certain things that, that he wasn't great at and that were sort of his blind spots, and that's what made him a, a very interesting guy. Well, and what I like about your book, and again, for all your listeners who are just joining us, it's Norman Allstad. The book is Crazy for the Storm. It's a memoir of survival is that uh, that it is so real, and this is, your dad was a real human, you're a real human, and all of us are, and I really, I don't like it when we find celebrities and we put them up on pedestals and we think just because they're famous or whatever that we don't have quirks and, you know, idiosyncrasies. Everybody does, and to me that's what makes you interesting. How has your life changed, Norman, since the book came out? Well, I mean, uh, I've been writing for a long time, and now... Um, the book has done well enough that I'm, you know, pretty much full-time writing, which is a, a That's wonderful a blessing, thing. isn't it? It's great. It's a great thing. I just put all my energies towards this passion that I have. And, um, and it's nice because I've, I've met just, you know, thousands of people really via Internet or book signings. And I had a book tour in Europe. It's been published there that just enjoy this relationship that I had with my father and really kind of makes them reflect back on their lives, their childhood and all those things. And that, that just lifted me up and it's just given me a, a very positive feeling about the book and, and it as an achievement. So it's really changed, changed me in a lot of ways. Well, you know, I mean, I, I also think it brings back the importance of the parent child relationship. I, to, I mean, I really identified with you and your relationship with your, with your father. My father and I were extremely close. He actually died in my arms. 
And the whole reason I wrote my first book was to honor my dad. And I felt like he was with me while I was writing it or helping me. Did you ever feel when you were writing your book, I mean, I'm not trying to be woo-woo, but did you just sort of feel his energy or his presence? Or did you feel that, okay, boy, wonder, you can write this book? I know you've been writing, but did did that come to you at all? Well, I mean, it's so in me because I still ski and surf a lot. Yeah. And I did a lot of different sports, but it's sort of like every time I go surfing, which is a few times a week, and then in the winter when I'm skiing, my dad is is part of that whole legacy. So. So it's hard to even know the difference when he's not there. He right. To always so he's just, be there. basically he's with you all the time. You know, back yeah. to the skiing, you had just won the championship. You had beat a long-time number one skier. You were gearing up, hopefully, for the uh, possibly Junior Olympics or Olympics. Did you continue to race after that uh, crash? I mean, did you ever get your trophy? You were going up there to get it. No, I never got it, and I, I did not race anymore. I did a little bit. Uh, more racing in college, but after that, I after I kind of had a downtime and a, not not a, a, kind of a hard time for about a year, and then I, the next winter after that, uh, maybe two winters later, I got back into skiing again and uh, as well as surfing, and then I got really into powder skiing and going off from the trees, sort of my dad's favorite thing. I just veered off of that. Yeah. So now you and your son are doing this again, and now your son is racing. So he's now on a ski team. Yep, yep. So how wonderful is that? Well, I want to give out your website so people can get copies of the book, follow you. They can go and follow, find your Facebook page and uh, leave comments, et cetera. But the website, I'll let you go ahead and give it so you spell it right, normanolstead.com, but go ahead and spell it, Norman. It's Norman, O-L-L-E-S-T-A-D.com, or CrazyForTheStorm.com. They both go to the same site. And there's old Super 8 footage of Malibu in the 60s and 70s in Mexico, and great stuff on there. It's a fun I loved, I love going to your site, I just want to tell you, because... That we didn't talk about the Mexico trip, but I, I was, I was just like holding my breath that whole trip, yeah. talking about banditos and all the things that happened to you, and it just seemed like you definitely had some, some kind of uh, guardian that on that whole trip. But what a great thing! I hope it becomes a movie, Norman. Is that the next step? Or I know you can write, you write screenplays too. Well, actually, Warner Brothers optioned the book. Um, Good, Bill. Bill Gerber's the producer who did Gran Torino and some other some other big films, and um, they have a screenwriter writing it. I, I didn't want to write the screenplay uh, because I've done my time and um, I'm moving on to another book about the next part of my life, finding love and so forth. Uh-huh. And um, so you know, I just I didn't want to get drowned down into that. You know, it's kind of a it's a big anchor. The whole movie thing go on for years and years. And, it can, um, but the good thing is, is that you can be a consultant or whatever on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to thank you so much, Norman, for coming on the show. You are really fun. Good luck with all the great stuff to come with you and your son. I know that you are a wonderful role model for him, and your dad is right there with you. Crazy for the Storm is the book, a memoir of survival. Norman Olstead, go to crazyforthestorm.com and uh, check everything out. It's very fun. Norman, thank you so much for coming on Star Style. Be the star you are, and I hope that we can keep in touch. And we'll be looking forward to your next book. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Great. Thank you. And thank all of you for being great listeners and allowing me into your life each week. Make sure you're tuned to this station with me, Cynthia Bryan, and, of course, Heather Brittany when we do our Tea for Two. For more information about Star Style, go to star-style.com. To make a donation for the charity, go to bethestarur.org. And until we celebrate next week, go out into the world. Make it a great day. This is Cynthia Bryan from Star Style thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. We'll play next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestarur.org. That's bethestarur.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer, with courage to give. Every special part of you. You're an Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.